Hello, I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan. Cystic fibrosis, also known as CF, is a genetic disorder that affects mostly the lungs, but also the pancreas, liver, kidneys, and intestine. Long-term issues are significant, and they can present differently in different people. In this pediatric chat, we'll talk about CF from the patient's perspective and hear from Sammy and his doctor, Abigail Strang, who is a fellow in pulmonology at Nemours. If you have a question about this topic, we invite you to send it to us on the question portal of our webpage so we can post a follow-up response. As always, for our discussion, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Paul Rosen. Hello, Paul. Hello, Jay. And thanks to Abby for coming to Pediatric Chat. Thanks for having me. And a special thanks to Sammy for joining us. Thank you for having me as well. So, Abby, you're Sammy's doctor. What is cystic fibrosis? Cystic fibrosis, or CF, is a genetic condition that primarily affects the lungs and digestive tract, although it can affect other parts of the body. On the cellular basis, what causes cystic fibrosis is that there on cells is a molecule on the outside of the cell, and that molecule is usually kind of a gate for salt and water to move in and out of cells. And in individuals with cystic fibrosis, that molecule or that gate isn't working properly. So there's abnormalities in the movement of salt and water into and out of cells. And that is what leads to the buildup of mucus and the thick mucus or sticky mucus in the lungs and the difficulties with secreting certain enzymes in the GI tract. And it can lead to frequent respiratory tract infections and difficulties with growth. How common is this? Cystic fibrosis is the most common genetic disease among Caucasians in the United States, and it occurs in about 1 in 3,000 newborns among Caucasians in the U.S., and there are about 30,000 people with CF living in the United States now. So pretty common. And does this run in families? It does because it's a genetic condition. So it's an autosomal recessive condition which means that if both parents are carriers for the condition, there's a one in four chance that their child will have cystic fibrosis. However, it could be that an individual or patient is the first person in their family to have ever been diagnosed. And how do you make the diagnosis, Abby? There's different ways that a child or individual can be diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Oftentimes now, cystic fibrosis is diagnosed by newborn screening. In the United States, all babies are screened for different conditions when they're born, and cystic fibrosis is included on the screen now in all states. But that doesn't pick up everyone, and the screen is somewhat new, so some individuals are diagnosed later in life. There are special tests that you can use to diagnose cystic fibrosis later in life, and one is called a sweat test. And with a sweat test, an infant or child is brought to the lab and their sweat is actually tested for the amount of salt or chloride that's in the sweat. And if it's elevated, that can indicate cystic fibrosis. And then there's other testing that can be done, such as genetic testing. So Sammy, welcome. Thanks for coming again. What grade are you in school? 10th. 10th grade. And so are you the first and only in your family? That we know of, yes. Okay. When did you find out you had cystic fibrosis? Well, my parents found out when I was about six months old, Mm -hmm. and I kind of grew up just knowing. I knew it wasn't a bad thing. It never held me back. So I knew I wasn't necessarily normal, but I don't know exactly when I learned it, but I just remember doing all the treatments and stuff, and I guess I just picked it up. Could you tell us a little bit more about some of your treatments, how long those take, and what those are like? Well, sure. I have to do them three times a day as far as the major ones go. 
I wake up in the morning before school and I'll do my airway clearance and my inhalation, uh, all the nebulizers and stuff like that. It takes about 20, maybe 30 minutes, but I can wake up pretty early and do that. Usually I'll get home from school and I'll do it right when I get home. And then I'll do it again at night, which has a little bit more treatment involved. So it takes a little bit longer. So it's only, it's probably about maybe two hours at max doing that. And then for every meal I eat, I have to take enzymes just to keep my food digested and get all my nutrients I need. And I take uh, extra supplements as well because my blood deficiencies and stuff. So this sounds like a lot of work for you, Sammy. Every once in a while, of course, you know, it gets in the way of something I want to do. But I know I have to do it anyway because if I don't, then I'm not going to be able to do all the activities I want. And it cuts out of my time anyway. So dedicating myself to it, I know, helps me in the long run and helps me be able to do what I want to do. So I know it's worth it. And Abby, we know with um, teenagers with conditions that need to take medications, taking those medications regularly can be a challenge with teenagers. Do you find with most of your patients, they're like Sammy and they're doing an amazing job taking their medications, or do you have some folks that are struggling? So Sammy is doing a great job taking his medications and it sounds like has great compliance, but it is really a challenge for a lot of kids during the teenage years because it's hard to do extra things that your friends don't have to do. And when you're just busy with school and with your social activities, it can be hard to fit in all those treatments. And then also just to not want to be different from your friends. So that can be a real challenge. I've been able to blend in more with it because I've been doing it so long, it just becomes like a natural thing to me. That's great. Whereas other people, they may not find it normal, but for me, it's just something I've been doing. So it becomes part of my daily routine. Like when I'm in school, I have to go to the nurse before I go to lunch just to take my enzymes, which it's not a big deal. But I mean, I just slip out of class for a couple minutes and I'll be right back. So it's not like majorly impactful on me, but it's just become something as part of something I do every day. I think that it's something that maybe you should embrace being different and because you can stand out to more people. And for people that see it as adversity, you can just, you can be an inspiration to others. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to think of it. What do you tell your friends about this? If I meet someone new and we start to get closer, I'll inform them about it. And my course of friends I've known for forever, I stay over their house, they see me doing treatments and stuff. So most of my friends are very comfortable around it and they're fine with it. As they get closer to me, they start to not to take it as seriously and I can joke with them and stuff like that, which is nice because I don't like to be serious about it. It's, it's never good to be negative about it because it's going to make everything worse. So yeah. positivity is key. It's great. How do you feel now? I'm great. I've been healthy all my life. I've never been hospitalized. Never. For wow, that's great. Anything like that. So my parents have really helped me keep on top of my treatments, which has been great for me. And physical activity also really helps. I run cross country track and I just recently started playing lacrosse. Wow, excellent. Abby, in the past, did we let kids with CF do a lot of aerobic sports? Did we limit them? Is this a new thing where we're encouraging more activity? Or Exercise is actually one of the ways to keep the lungs healthy. It's actually a form of what we call airway clearance or pulmonary clearance. So it's recommended and encouraged for all of our patients as tolerated. You said you were involved with sports. Yeah. You find no limitations from having cystic fibrosis? Not really. And matter of fact, I'm uh, one of the faster people on my team usually. Wow. I don't know if that's just because I run more or what, but it's, it's cool too because some of my friends are motivated by me because they just see how far I've come like, with my health and everything, and they think it's a great inspiration for them. What other activities are you doing? I really like to play uh, many instruments, but I play drums with this band. If anybody likes to check them out, we're on Facebook and stuff. We're called Apex Revolution. That's a lot of fun to do, and I think it helps, too, because I, uh, I can just get connected with a lot of people. And so when people learn I have cystic fibrosis, a lot of them, they're taken aback, and they're like, whoa, I never would have expected that. 
Do you know other kids with cystic fibrosis? I know of a couple. I don't have very much direct contact with them, but I'm a uh, mentor at the hospital for a couple patients, oh. which is kind of cool to be able to do and connect with other patients. What is, and what does that mean? I can uh, talk to them about anything. If they're down about something with like having to do their treatments or whatever, I can just talk to them and help them out or whatever they need. Just be there for them. So. That's awesome. We know lots of kids living with chronic disease, how brave they are, how much of a challenge it is for them. Any words of advice for kids with any sort of disease that impacts them daily as to how to get along as well as you have in school and in life? Really, I think the main thing is just keeping positive. I mean, if you have treatments you need to do, keep on it and don't let it get you down. You know, it gets in the way and stuff and it, it stinks, but it's just something you got to do. You know, you got to accept it. But positivity is just definitely, I think, the biggest thing mm. with it. And Abby, do we connect families to other families that are dealing with CF? Or is there a challenge, you know, the bacterial load? How do you manage that? So there's a little bit more of a challenge with cystic fibrosis compared to other chronic conditions for children, just because there is somewhat of a limitation in that you don't want to have patients who may have different bacteria in their lungs around each other too much or in a lot of the same activities. So the ways that we connect with families are a little bit different in some ways. So parents can certainly meet and have support groups. But as far as children communicating and support groups in that way, a lot of it is like what Sammy does, which is not face-to-face so much, but communicating in different ways, whether it's cell phone, email, and then there are different kind of online support groups. Mm Mm-hmm. Are we organized in that sort of fashion that we have these support groups set up through Nemours? So there is a family advisory council. And so that is is run through Nemours. And there's a group of parents who are support group and give different advice and guidance. And they work with the hospital. And then our social worker, Kim York, actually helps to connect different families and different young adults with each other. Abby, can you describe some of the other healthcare professionals besides the doctor who make up the CF team? Sure. So there is a respiratory therapist who helps them with their respiratory therapies, helps them with their breathing tests when they come, and helps us to troubleshoot some of the issues as far as the respiratory therapies. There's also a nutritionist who sees our patients very frequently to monitor growth and to help because kids with CF do need to take in a lot more as far as calories. The diet is high calories, high fat, and high salt. And then individuals with CF also, about 90% of patients need to take special enzymes in order to help them to absorb their nutrients and gain weight. We also have a social worker in our clinic who helps with various needs as far as equipment, accommodations at school if any are needed, and helps families, especially families who are new to getting the diagnosis, helps them through. Our social worker, Kim York, works with all of our patients, and she has what's called a wellness program, where patients will have a goal from one visit to the next, something that they want to work on in terms of their own personal wellness. And a lot of times that's increasing, you know, the number of treatments or number of medications or could even be talking to their friends. So she helps kids in adolescence and even younger to develop ways to be more adherent and to help them deal with having to do a lot of extra things that other kids don't have to do. We also have a research coordinator and nurse practitioner who is our coordinator for our clinic. 
We ask all of our patients to come to see their pulmonologist and see their CF team about once every three months Mm. for an appointment and sometimes for different lab tests and x-rays and breathing tests. So it sounds like you you really have a center here, a special center. Is that something that's common and do most kids with cystic fibrosis find themselves in a center? Yes. So what's recommended is that individuals with cystic fibrosis are followed at a nationally accredited cystic fibrosis center. And so we are a cystic fibrosis center here. And it's recommended that if you have cystic fibrosis that you come to a center so that you make sure that you get all of the appropriate care and follow-up. And Abby, when our teenagers grow up and they turn 21, do they stay with their pediatric pulmonologist or do they transition to an adult doctor? They transition. So we start talking about that in late adolescence. We try to find the right center geographically and the right center for the patient based on their healthcare needs. And we start talking about it. Oftentimes what we do at the time of transition to an adult center, if we can, is we would even have the patient go to the center for a visit, and then they could still be in contact with us for questions if there are any differences and recommendations with their adult pulmonologist before they officially transition. So we start talking about that well before the age of 21, so that it's not right at the last moment that we're transitioning. Are there a lot of differences between pediatric care and adult care in CF? There are differences really just in terms of moving forward with your disease and therapies that are recommended on an individual basis. But as far as the frequency of therapies, the frequency of checkups and of labs and x-rays, as far as I know, there are no major differences in adult care. You mentioned those centers of excellence for CF, and those centers collect data, and they share the data and share best practices so that the field just keeps improving over time as all this information gets shared across the country. Is that right? That's right. So all of the patients who are here at our center have the opportunity to be part of what's called the CF registry. And so the registry collects data on the patients in terms of their testing and their lung function and what medications they're on. There's a national database, which is really exciting, which has helped to determine which treatments are really effective, and that's really helped the research move forward and help patients to remain healthier and have better quality of life. And what are we doing about a cure? Is there a cure on the horizon for us? There isn't what we would say is a cure at this point. There are certain medications which are now targeting on the cellular basis that molecule that's at the gate. So there are trials underway with different types of medications to be working on that root cause of what causes cystic fibrosis. Very exciting. So how can we get involved if we want to help? I am involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. They have a lot of events for fundraising and stuff. I do their stair climb in Philadelphia every Mm -hmm. year. I've been doing it, I think, about four years now. Okay. Just raise as much money as we can. Instead of running like a 5K or something, we just run upstairs in a building in Philadelphia. You can help fundraise or you can do different events. Even simply just spreading awareness and even simple education to other people helps to get the word out and things like that. Because I know there's about something like 10 million Americans are actually carriers of CF and they don't even know it. Mm. So you could get genetic tests or whatever you want and just uh, diagnosis and stuff. Well, this has been great learning, and Sammy, we really appreciate you coming and talking to us. We've learned that this is a relatively common genetic disease that can be diagnosed and usually is diagnosed early at birth, really, and that there's lots of medications and and hope for future. But it takes brave girls and boys to go through this, to be positive and have great family support. 
and you look really great and healthy. And uh, I know Thank that's a lot of hard work on your part. Best of luck, your lacrosse <laughs> and your track, Thank you. which seems like the same season. I don't know how you <laughs> oh, do it. Oh, yeah, I mean, variation. Sometimes I'll run tracks. So. Well, excellent. So thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks thank for you, having Abby. Us. Thanks for coming on. To our listeners, if there's another topic you'd like us to explore in a future pediatric chat, you can send it to us by using the question portal on our webpage. And be sure to view our library for more pediatric chat programs. I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan, and thanks for listening.